0: You're listening to Fighting Terror, the podcast that explores the approaches to fighting terror and extremism in the U.S., Europe, and worldwide. With Lucinda Creighton, Senior Europe Advisor to the Counter Extremism Project and former European Minister. This podcast is brought to you by the Counter Extremism Project, a research and advocacy group that combats the activities of terrorist and extremist groups globally. <laughs> Hello and welcome. For today's podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Sophia Culler, who is a Senior Research Analyst with CEP. Um, In today's um, Breaking News podcast with Sophia, we're going to respond to the news of um, the Netherlands' decision to repatriate women and children from Syria. Sophia, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a, it's a great pleasure and i know that you are a, a real expert on this issue of uh, returnees um so i guess just to to jump straight into it two days ago 12 dutch women were picked up in syria and are being transported to the Netherlands, where they will be taken into custody for crimes relating to terrorism offences. And this was confirmed um, by a formal decision of the Dutch cabinet. So could you tell us a little bit firstly about the process of repatriating uh, female ISIS uh, members and the, this, the the challenges which uh, will will arise or do arise when prosecuting such returnees?
1: Yes, so I think, um, first of all, it's really important to put a bit of context into how many people we're speaking about. So. Um, I think um, it's it's good to know that around 15% of the people that were uh, traveling to join ISIS and other terrorist organizations from Europe were women. Um, so we're not speaking about um, some cases, but really a, a significant group of people. Um, and that's why this issue is so um, so important to, to consider. Some of these women have been uh, held in Kurdish-administered camps in northeast Syria for five years, some less, but some have been really uh, having a significant of uh, time um, spending over there, um, and um, most, uh, and I will focus mostly on Western states or European states, have been really reluctant um, in in dealing with this issue. Um, and I would say that most have um first of all tried to to not deal with it, to just leave people over there, and that includes women as well. But then in the past years there have been um partly due to international political pressure, uh some national court orders that have pushed governments to reconsider their position and start repatriating first um orphans, very small and, and sick children. And there has been also an, an interesting development in also um repatriating uh female adults. Um, However, it's also important to consider that, um, uh, according to international law, minors cannot be separated from their parents against their will. That means that most um, of the countries, for example, also Germany, have decided to repatriate minors only together with their mothers. Um, So that means that most of the repatriation of adult women, such as we see now in the Netherlands, uh, really remain the exception and uh, that's why I think this is really an, an interesting and, and, and a positive development. But uh, yeah, so the, the, the process is really um, lo- locating the women. They have to be willing to uh, come back to the country, which is not always the case. Uh, you have to take DNA samples if it's not clear. Um, and then there needs to be a lot of uh, logistical uh, organization around um, making sure that um, the women uh, is put on a plane, uh, lots of cooperation with the uh, U.S. forces, the Kurdish forces, and sometimes also with uh, European partners as well. To the second part of your question, so I think that um, overall one of the main challenges when you prosecute returnees is to gather enough evidence for a conviction. So that's uh, that concerns both uh, men and women. And um this is just because it's um like most of the crimes that happen abroad, um and investigators from European countries cannot simply travel travel to Syria and and, and interview or, or gather proof. So so that's first of all. And then if you want to prosecute female returnees, um there are several other challenges that add on to this. So first of all, and, and this is still um, the case today, there are a lot of stereotypes that um both governmental but also non-governmental actors hold that. You know, women were naive. They were just lured uh, into joining ISIS. They were not really responsible. They did not really do anything beyond being a housewife and a mother. And though we know now that women supported IS and also other terrorist organizations in many different ways and very crucial ways, these stereotypes sometimes hinder the willingness um, to prosecute them. And even if there is a willingness from legal but also political actors, there um, is still an insecurity um, as to which offenses and which crimes can be used, since in many cases, um, anything that has to do with participation and political violence um, has mostly been constructed around how men act in terrorist organizations. So I think there, there there's much more to be done. And, and finally, also, uh, women are much less present in propaganda. They're either wheeled or they do not appear at all, such, in the, such as with ISIS. So um, th- these are some of the challenges. But, but I would still argue that female returnees can be prosecuted, and they have been prosecuted in many countries already. Um, and not only for terrorism offenses, but also for core international crimes, such as crimes against humanity, but also the, the failure to fulfill their duty of care and education towards their children. So it is possible, though, challenging.
0: Mm-hmm. It's interesting, I suppose. Um, I mean, you, you've alluded to the reluctance of of Western governments to repatriate, and in the case in this specific case, um, the Dutch government um, has made it clear that it's responding to a court order. So, you know, arguably, this may not have happened, and the political will may not may not have been there, uh, were it not for the the court order obliging the government to act. And I suppose that in turn is a reflection of public sentiment to some extent. I mean, usually politicians respond to, you know, what their citizens feel and how the public feels around this. And there are costs associated with, with repatriation, et cetera. You know, I suppose a, que- a question, a valid question, I think that that many people might ask is, you know, is there um, besides the international obligations that exist? You know, is there, um, is there a logical, compelling reason uh to repatriate uh these women and children um you know that can be framed in the national interest um so is there a national interest in returning um women and children who have participated in ISIS activities or you know have been have been supporting potentially terrorist activity um what is you know what is the argument uh objectively in favor of of bringing them home
1: yeah, so I think that it's important to differentiate between women and and minors. So they are often put together in, in in one category, and in, in many aspects, that is um, that is also true, since they are coming back uh, with their mothers um, and they're their primary caregiver. However, when it comes to minors, most of them have been taken by the parents to ISIS territory, so they are victims of their parents' decisions. Some of them have been uh, were born abroad. So like even more so had no say in the decisions uh, whatsoever. So I think that, first of all, minors have to be considered victims and have to be considered as um, not having any kind of guilt uh, in, in, in their situation. On the contrary, they have been they are suffering their parents' uh, decisions in the camps during their time with ISIS and even now as they're coming back and and trying to readapt to a very very different life Um. so i think that's just um child protection issues here are 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 on the forefront if if you speak about why we should repatriate minors i mean it's a very it's a very obvious obligation to uh to protect uh, minors then when it comes to women and i would also put put adult males in in the same category for now. So there are several very, very important arguments. The one that is still being debated is the the legal obligation to repatriate. Um, There is no consensus, but there are several organizations, uh, several legal experts that have been saying, yes, there is a legal obligation. Uh, Countries have to protect their citizens from let's say the situation in the camps. Um, So whatever crimes they have committed, uh, they cannot be kept uh, in detention without any kind of um, accusation. So no legal process, no access to lawyers. So there is this this legal component. Then uh, you have also humanitarian factors. Um, so uh, just the situation in the camps are very bad. So there's also the, the, the obligation to, to protect your citizens against uh, inhumane treatment. And then finally, so without going further into those arguments, but if if you speak about uh, national security, even here, we have a very compelling argument that is to say that, yes, there is certainly a potential security risk that is posed by most of those who have joined and who have lived in IS territory. However, if you assume that there is a potential risk, how do you assess and manage that risk? And the assessment and the management of that kind of security risk cannot happen in an adequate way if they are in a camp uh, in a very unstable uh, region as well uh, where people can escape both from prisons and from camps, where there is uh, in, in some uh, uh, factions of, of the camps even no way to even uh, go in as, as a security guard. So if, if you really make the point that national security is what we're looking at, then yes, to assess that kind of security risk, to manage it, and and develop adequate responses, then repatriation is is the only option really. Uh, and if we do not act, there are uh, there is a fear that, for example, there is another prison break. Uh, more people will be free, They will um, escape. There is no way of knowing where they are. So if, yeah, if, we, if we want to make that security argument, yes, I, w- I would say that even in that sense, even if it, it, at first it might sound, sound counterintuitive, still here, uh, the repatriation is, is the only way to assess it, but also then to ensure um, prosecution, reputation and everything else.
0: Mm-hmm. That, I think
1: that's that's very clear
0: and uh I think a very logical perspective from the national security perspective when you look at um those who have been repatriated obviously prosecution successful prosecution levels are low you know due to lack of evidence in some instances lack of cooperation etc how have you assessed the manner in which the risk has been managed in in Different um, European member states, and you know, is it improving uh, as as countries gain experience of managing um, returnees? You know, ha- are there ha- are there examples of best practice in certain member states, or you know, is there a trend across um, the West, um, if you like, where you know uh, systems are being put in place that perhaps are better now than they were five years ago?
1: So, I mean, one of the things that I I would uh point out here is that we have already developed a better response to risk posed by female returnees in acknowledging their potential security risk and acknowledging the roles that they have in playing with ISIS. So in Germany before around 2017, 2018, and in France, for example, before 2016, women would just return and nothing happened there were no uh, systematic investigation prosecution there was no systematic arrest warrants so they just c- could just return to their lives um no matter whether they were really disillusioned or still very radicalized and and, and preparing for something i mean for now nothing happens um happened but i would say there's also a question of luck that's not because we have we have been exceptionally good at assessing risks posed by female returnees so having said that there is already i think a positive de- development in that direction. Then, I mean, um, staying with those two examples. So, in France, once there was this understanding, okay, yes, women can also pose a security risk, they, they have made sure that whoever returns, both man and woman, uh, will be immediately arrested and will be immediately prosecuted for membership in a terrorist organization, um, and then will will receive a prison sentence. So, no matter what the person did concretely on on the ground, just this fact of traveling and being in ISIS territory is enough. So, uh, I would argue that in that case, France kind of postponed the problem because um, quite a short process, um, prison sentence. Um, and France is now developing um, a, a better system to um, assess risk that is also posed by women in special units. Uh, they have uh, been developing uh, more gender-sensitive disengagement offers also in, in prison. Once they are released from prison, however, I mean we're we're still talking about very few numbers, so uh, I would not uh, want to to say anything about whether there are best practices or not. They're just. You know, something that is developed, and I think that's really good. In Germany, there have also been uh, female returnees uh, sentenced to to prison sentences. So uh, the average is around three years and 11 months, including including probation. Um, And also here, I would say one of the strengths is the role of the civil society actors who have been already in contact with the women many times, um, still in the camps, have been in contact with their families, and are really in, in close contact supporting them uh, during the trials, but also then later on in, in the rehabilitation and, and reintegration, disengagement engagement process, um, mm. and also here, there's a willingness to adapt, you know, to, to gender-sensitive approaches. So I would say that there is a growing willingness and a growing understanding of what is needed, and that we have focused too much on on, on male uh, male returnees or, or in, in general, male extremists. So yes, um, first of all. Um, considering prosecution of female returnees that, that's one thing um and then adapting all the approaches that we have to to make them gender sensitive because in some in some senses um rehabilitation disengagement and so on is is, is gender neutral. so there are aspects that are both uh, for, for both uh, um, men and women very relevant. And then there are other aspects that really are have to be more targeted. yeah maybe maybe so far.
0: Mm-hmm. So in the, in the in the Dutch case, the the justice minister um, has confirmed or I suppose, uh, reassured uh, parliamentarians and and the public that the women will be arrested um, on arrival, and he's also, I think, um, confirmed that they'll be tried, which probably probably is a little bit difficult to to guarantee at this point um until you know investigations have been carried out are there s- specific i mean you've made made reference to gen- gender sensitive processes um that Will be necessary uh, if you were advising the Dutch government in, in relation to, to to these particular returnees. Are there specific recommendations you would make to them? You know, either in terms of securing securing convictions or how the process should be handled um, from this point on, um, to ensure that. Um, you know, that, that ultimately that national security is is not undermined and, um, and that there's a satisfactory outcome to the to the return returning process, because, of course, that then, you know, um, sends a signal to other member states as well and other countries that might be considering uh, the same process.
1: Yes, so I would say that first of all, the the, the repatriation is already a very good, um, very good step in in ensuring these kind of approaches can be implemented. Um, I know also that the Dutch um, have a very active, have been very actively planning the return of children. They have a, a plan for each children for each child that returns that can be implemented. So I think that's that's already something very good to be prepared. Uh, to consider the cases in advance, um, because this is also something that we're doing in Germany to really look into once a attorney comes back, what happens, which actors need to be involved. So this kind of um, multi-agency approach or this kind of coordination approach is something that I, that I think is really crucial. And um, so I would say this is um, something that needs to be uh, continued. So from from the moment that the person returns, either adult or minor, this is really the start of the process. It's not like the repatriation is is by far the 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 end of it. It's the, the tiny first step in a in a very long and complicated process for all, all people involved. So to ensure that there is for each returnee a uh individualized and multi-agency support in the long term, I think that would be the, the, the most crucial one. Um, I talked about uh, developing gender and age-sensitive approaches, so both to risk assessment and rehabilitation integration. So this is also something that needs to be looked at, but this also takes time, right? So uh, a risk assessment tool, you, you don't build that in two months. So Keeping up the structures that the Netherlands has already um, is, is is very good. Ensure uh, long-term funding also for people uh, working in, in the sector. And uh, finally, maybe something that is also um, very crucial is to ensure that um, mental health support is also um, provided in the long term, both for minors, but also for women and also adult males at, at some point. Um, this is really relevant because most, if not all of them, might have made very traumatic experiences. And as we know, trauma is something that can, up, can come up much later once the person feels a bit more secure. So that's why this long term is something that I really uh, encourage and uh, in, in general, I mean everything that that is true for reputation and, and disengagement work is also true for returnee cases, right? So uh, ensure that uh, different actors from different perspectives can work together. Ensure that there is places for cooperation for trust building. Ensure that there is long term funding. Yeah, that would be the the, the main recommendations. Sure.
0: Super. Um Sophia, thank you so much for joining the podcast today for sharing your insights. Uh, no doubt we will come back to this uh, and talk about the, the this uh, topic as you say it's it's going to be um it's going to be a very long-term process um and and so we will we will definitely check in and and discuss it in some more detail in in the coming months. So thank you very much for sharing your time and
1: expertise today. Thank you so much,
0: Lucinda. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion. Please don't forget to like comment on and share this episode you can find out more
1: about fighting terror and the counter extremism project on twitter using our handle at fight extremism and on the homepage of our website